fewer immigrants coming from Central America and from Mexico. This is a totally different circumstance. What's on my watch now is Venezuela, Cuba, and Nicaragua. More changes at the border, and now thousands of Venezuelan asylum seekers face being sent back to Mexico as President Biden changes policy just weeks before midterm elections. I'm Jamie Virgen with Sinclair Broadcasting, coming to you this week on the road again. From San Antonio to Eagle Pass, the border town across from Acuña, Mexico, and then all the way across to El Paso and Juarez. Is it deja vu at the border? Last week on Thursday, President Biden seemed to pull a play from ex-president Donald Trump's playbook by sending back Venezuelan immigrants seeking asylum to Mexico. I told him we will be together again on the other side. We will have a better life and that his father will take care of him. Now, if you remember, it was Biden who two years ago said that Trump's immigration policies were cruel and excluded immigrants at every turn. Among those he spoke about specifically were Venezuelans fleeing the socialist regime of Nicolás Maduro. And just a few weeks before the midterm elections, Biden decided to bring back the Trump-era rule known as Title 42, but only for Venezuelans. ¿Cómo cuántos más ustedes dicen que vienen ahora mismo en camino? Mira, supuestamente 20,000. Sí, cuando nosotros entramos el jueves 13 según eh, iban a salir 12,000 personas. When they came in on Thursday, they had heard that there were 12,000 people that were coming out de donde? De Venezuela. De, de Venezuela. Venezuela. Sí. Now the irony of this is that Biden's Justice Department is currently still fighting Title 42 in court. Now the policy makes it more difficult for Venezuelans to file for asylum. The new Biden administration policy states that Venezuelans who walk or swim across the U.S. border with Mexico will be expelled, and any Venezolano who illegally enters Mexico or Panama will not be eligible to come to the United States. And yes, this is the new policy, or it would appear a revival of the old policy from a Democratic president who pointed fingers at Republican Trump for using Title 42. Now, last Sunday, we went past the San Antonio Immigrant Center to see if Venezuelans were still arriving. After the policy change, we found that they are still arriving, but now stories of husbands and wives being separated and family units with children younger than 21 and older than 18 being expelled into Mexico, even though the child is listed in their parents' asylum paperwork as part of the family. In Panama, I walked with Costa Rica and all Nicaragua. Surviving because as I don't have money, I can't pay for passes. This young man told me that he crossed through Costa Rica, Guatemala, and they returned him five times in Guatemala. I asked him why he continued. He said to help his children and his mother and to find his American dream. Where is he going? He said towards Florida to get work where the hurricane just hit. He said he felt bad that he is in the U.S. and others in his group got expelled. It is sad when you make it to the goal line and they sent you back, he said. 
Yo entré hace 12, 12 días atrás. Another young man who entered before the policy change was allowed to stay in the country. He says it seems no one really has an idea of what to do. One rule for some and a different one for others, depending on where you cross the border or even at the same spot. Both young men say they do not understand it. Most Venezuelans cross through the Darien Gap in Panama, seeing death and all sorts of misfortune along the way. Many say they wish the U.S. government would have put out notice that this change was about to happen before they made the dangerous journey. But how many are still en route? Let me give you some numbers. From Mexico, we're hearing in the small town of San Pedro Tapanatepec in southern Mexico, there are about 14,000 immigrants, the majority of them from Venezuela. Oh, yeah, there is a deal that was cut between the U.S. and the Mexican government. Mexico told the U.S. that they must admit one Venezuelan on humanitarian parole for each Venezuelan it expels. This was the deal publicized by the Associated Press that we have now confirmed through sources. Again, this is coming from the Biden administration, who just a few weeks ago was denouncing the move by Florida Governor DeSantis and Texas Governor Greg Abbott for putting almost 50 Venezuelans on planes to Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts, whom the White House said were fleeing political persecution. And talking about those private planes that cost Florida taxpayers almost $1.6 million, more information was released this week by the Florida Attorney General. Jordan Elder, with our stations in San Antonio, tells us about the pictures and video that have now been released. The migrant planes taking off and shots of the journey. These videos, just a few of the new documents released by the Florida governor's office, shedding light on the flights that brought nearly 50 migrants to Martha's Vineyard. It's a crazy scheme um, and one that just smacks of irregularities. Immigration lawyer Lance Kurtwright says it's nothing he's ever seen before. To such an extent that it has the whiff of fraud. These screenshots show texts between some of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis's top staff, revealing that one of them had been in San Antonio making arrangements more than a week before the flights. Those texts also have screenshots of migrants who appear to be speaking to Perla, the woman who allegedly recruited the migrants to get on those planes. But Kurt Wright says the documents themselves don't necessarily prove a crime. If she lied to them to induce them to join, the, to join this group going to Massachusetts, then there might be a crime that has been committed. In one text, Perla says in Spanish, they will hate me today, but this opportunity, nobody would have given it to them. The migrant replies in Spanish, I don't hate you, I know what you're doing. We also got a new look at the forms migrants signed before boarding, both in English and Spanish. Their names, where they came from, acknowledging the trip to Massachusetts. But even that may not be enough to help those being investigated. What these people actually understood when they were signing those forms was heavily, heavily predicated by what they were told. And what they were told is not being reflected in those forms. Jordan, thanks for that. Now, further south in Tapachula, Mexico, on the border with Guatemala, thousands of Venezuelans are waiting to take off in a massive caravan. Tapachula is the first city in Mexico where the migrants arrive who want to file for political asylum in the U.S. Now, if we keep going south, 
numbers from our sources with Senafront, which is the border patrol in Panama, show more than 4,000 migrants have crossed into Panama as of last Friday after going through the Darien jungle. And before reaching Darien, Many are already stranded in Necocli, Colombia. About 10,000 as of this week were stranded there before entering through the ocean and the town of Necocli across to Panama. The U.S. ambassador to Colombia, Francisco Palier, visited the small city and told migrants the U.S. border is closed and that it would not open in 20 to 90 days, as rumor had it. Some here have opted to turn back and go to Venezuela. Others en route are following social media to see where they should try to cross into Mexico. According to a recent survey done by the UNHRC, the United Nations Committee that deals with refugees, immigrants coming into the U.S. first use TikTok, then use WhatsApp, followed by number three, Instagram, for updates on where and how to get to the U.S. And there seems to be a new route being used. Instead of Eagle Pass and Del Rio, now migrants, especially from Venezuela, are traveling towards Juarez to then cross into the U.S. into the town of El Paso. And that has caused a whole new problem, as our station KFOX in El Paso reports. You know, the, right now that we're, we're working through FEMA, and you're not going to get money from FEMA and then get money from the state for the same resources. While well, the city of El Paso continues to wait on the federal government to reimburse them for money spent on the migrant crisis, council members have decided to cover the $200,000 a day cost by taking money from the city's general fund. Coming out of the general fund and the White House and federal government isn't reacting fast enough. Well, we have gotten some reimbursement. We literally just put out another bill for $6 million yesterday. Looking at the numbers, do feel we are we need resources. We don't want to be working reactively. We want to be proactive. City representatives Isabel Salcido, Claudia Rodriguez, and Sissy Lizarraga all called on the mayor to declare a state of emergency last week. When I asked him today why not, he repeated that he was advised not to by Congresswoman Veronica Escobar, the chief of Border Patrol in the White House. Remember, you can't get funding from two different entities for the same thing, and that's important. So I would get federal funding and reimbursement from the federal government. Why would I go somewhere else to get additional funding? City representatives Rodriguez and Salcido say there was a better way than spending our own money and hoping the federal government pays it back. I keep hearing that this is not a political issue and we're trying to keep politics out of it. Um, unfortunately, it is a political issue. For me, I'm here to look out for my constituents and, and their concerns. I think we need to look at the numbers and the numbers, the numbers don't lie. So we need to look at the numbers and make the best decision that's going to be the beneficial to the residents of El Paso while still maintaining uh, humanitarian um, assistance. <laughs> And while the popular area to cross now seems to be El Paso, Eagle Pass, Texas, still is feeling the effects as people continue to cross, but not in the record numbers like we saw earlier this summer. Over a thousand immigrants being processed a day in the Del Rio area of operation for Border Patrol. But has the flow of immigrants really slowed down in Eagle Pass and Del Rio? We're now joined by 
State District Representative Eddie Morales out of Eagle Pass, Texas. Thank you for joining us. And we are actually driving down 57, heading back towards San Antonio. Uh, thank you again for joining us. What what are you seeing right now in your district as far as the change in policy with towards the Venezuelans? Thank you for having me on your show. Yes, uh, yesterday we received some uh, interesting information with respect to the numbers here in Eagle Pass, which is my home, hometown and represents, Maverick County represents the largest district, I'm sorry, the largest county in the district. And so we saw uh, and we were informed that there was a drastic drop in the number of migrants um, that had come through in the last several days. And we understand that now a bigger influx of migrants is taking place on the El Paso sector. As you know, after redistricting, my district, District 74, they added a portion of the northeast portion of El Paso into my district. Correct. Um, district 74 is the largest house district in the state of Texas. When the constituents vote for me, they send me to Austin to pass legislation. We have over 750 miles of a shared border with Mexico, and I represent, as the state representative, I represent nine out of the 14 counties that share a border with Mexico. So let me ask you, that influx, we're being told, uh, we just visited with Valeria Wheeler over at the Immigrant Center, the shelter. What she was explaining to me, and I've seen some of it on TikTok, is that a lot of the immigrants that are coming have also seen the rise in the water in this area, and a lot of them are opting to go further west towards El Paso. Do you think that has something to play, or do you think the biggest part is the change in the Biden policy, which basically is mirroring now Title 42? I think it has more to do with the Biden policy. We had recent rains here in this area. That could be the reason why the river is flowing a little bit higher. That's only going to be temporary, just like it was during the Labor Day weekend where we actually lost some migrants in the river and also thereby exposed our law enforcement also. Um, and that's something that I have continuously pushed, not only with the governor, but also with the White House in asking them to do something more for our uh, areas and our counties. We need to uh, stop incentivizing the cartels and the human smugglers from using the river to cross the migrants, and then we give them the asylum paperwork. We need to do it in an orderly, legal fashion through our land ports, and more than anything, the evidence has shown that these migrants have anywhere between two and $5,000 in their pockets, because that's what it costs to pay for these uh, coyotes to cross them. Think about it. How, what if we turned it on its head and actually the state were to implement this as an application fee for them to be considered uh, to remain here in Texas and for them to charge, the state to charge $2,000. We recently were having 1,600 crossings daily through this area, the Del Rio Eagle Pass area. That would represent $3.2 million daily and that would represent over a billion dollars in application fees that could come to the state instead of right now going to these coyotes, the cartels, and the human smugglers. We need to think outside the box, and this is one of those ways where we could be effective and Texas could actually lead on the immigration effort. Let me ask you this. As far as, and, and I can tell you, I've spoken to many Democrats who are extremely upset at the Biden administration 
saying that this looks like a midterm tactic that is probably going to end up backfiring. What What's your belief on that? I don't know what they would mean by that. I think that we need to do everything and its power to secure our borders first and foremost. And we cannot continue with the status quo. Those individuals, if you're not on the border, that you don't understand what the families, the ranchers, and landowners that have property close to the border are going through on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. It needs to stop and we need to do it in an orderly and legal way. Uh, and it needs to be done through our land port so that we don't expose our hardworking law enforcement to the elements out there on the river. How difficult do you think it's going to be the way that we are right now? Because what's happening in Washington is ruling what happens to your constituents that you represent who actually live on the border when many people have never even stepped foot on the border. That's the frustrating part, Yami, is that there's a fix, and the issue could be fixed immediately. There's legislation at the federal level that has passed the House because the Democrats control the House, and they've been able to push this legislation that has been needed for the last 30 or 40 years. My issue, and visiting with the constituents, has always been to point the finger and address that Congress has failed us for the last 30 to 40 years. They have not done and taken part in submitting bills and getting them passed to effectively address the immigration reform policies and the revamping that we've needed for over 30, 40 years. We must hold Congress accountable. Now, it's these, a number of these, but a settled type legislation, the farm worker visa, the high IT visas have passed the House, they're in the Senate, but they're not getting hearing. We need to have our constituents call our U.S. Senators and ask them, are you going to pass this through? And if not, there's a chance and a way that we can make a change to make sure that somebody is in place to make that vote and to make sure that we end this migrant search. It can be done tomorrow and stop costing the federal government billions of dollars and stop costing Texas billions of dollars. And it's frustrating whenever we have a solution, but yet we have a certain faction of the Republican Party that just wants to keep using this to drum up their base with no actual foresight and wanting to actually eliminate the issue or address the issue. They just want to uh, fear monger. They want to call out their base but they don't have a solution for it and don't even want a solution because then what's going to happen in two years when they need to bring this back up so that they can get their base to come out and vote again. And it's sad because in the process, they're hurting Americans and they're hurting Texans. That's all for this week's episode. We want to thank you so much for joining us again for this segment of Immigration Crisis, the fight for the southern border. Next week, let's see where we end up. I believe that we will be heading up to Washington, D.C., but there's also a possibility that we may end up down in the valley again because some of these Venezuelan migrants that are being separated are ending up now across from Brownsville. Now, if you'd like me to follow something up or have a question about something here at the border, you can always like my Facebook page, Jami Virgen, V-I-R-G-I-N. You can also follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and on Twitter. That's it for this week. Thank you, friends, for joining me. I'm Jami Virgen with Sinclair Broadcasting from Eagle Pass, Texas. Until the next time.